scripture reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Um, please rise for the reading of the word. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled that you can pray, so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. When you know how the story ends, if you've read the last chapter of a book before you've finished it, how do you proceed? How do you live? What do you think about the story that's coming before you? Especially in in the world that we're living in now, I think we can tend to be a little hopeless for how things might be going. Do you think things are not going to end well? Or are we hopeful for how things are going right now? Do you think things are going to go great? Especially when we don't feel like things are going to end well, I think we can make some assumptions in our head. I know I've had many conversations with people in my head, complete conversations that have ended poorly because I filled in the blanks for the other person and I said this and they're going to say that and I said this and they're going to say that and it's not even worth the time because they're just not going to see my point of view. I've never even given them the opportunity to speak, to say what they actually want to say. What if instead of assuming that things weren't going to end well all the time, we actually assumed things might go okay? What if we started assuming that things would go well or that ultimately all things are going to be redeemed regardless of good or bad outcomes from our perspective? What if we were fully convinced that God is going to work all things out in the end. I think that's what Peter is encouraging us today as we talk about these ideas and disciplines of stewardship and service. Peter says at the very beginning, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. He has the end in mind, and he's not going to encourage us to just sit down and stop or be worried. He encourages us to be hopeful as we will see. I think the spiritual disciplines that we've talked about, many of them encourage us to be more present in the current time, what God is speaking to us in that moment, whether it's through Lectio Divina, silence and solitude, centering prayer, or even just celebrating the moments that we have in front of us. But these ideas of stewardship and service, I think, shift our mindset out into the future. Because when we serve others and when we steward the good gifts that God has given us, we have to believe that something good is going to happen. We have to believe that God is ultimately working all things out for the good. We lift our eyes and ears and hearts up to see what's going on around us and to see 
into the future that God is leading us towards. Peter says we're living in the end times, and that's basically saying that we're living in the time after Jesus has come, was crucified, and was resurrected, and between the end where he will come back and restore all things. It's almost like we're living where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel on the train. We're not like multiple turns and twists back where we can't even see the end, but we can finally see that speck of light at the end. This is where Peter is telling us that we are living, so we should not give up hope. Because we're aware of this, we shouldn't give up hope. We shouldn't sit down, stop, and just wait for the end to come so we can enter into that glorious future. He's encouraging us that we need to work. We need to serve. We need to do the good things that are placed before us. But he also knows that when time, times will be tough. And when times are tough, we shouldn't give up and give up hope. But also when times are comfortable, we shouldn't just sit down and bask in the comfort. There are still good things for us to do. So these two spiritual disciplines of stewardship and service allow us to let the good that God has done in us, the blessings that we have received from God, to shine through us and to point towards the hopeful future, the redeemed future that we are all looking forward to through Jesus. As a kind of sort of continuation from last week, it feels a little awkward that I'm again telling you what to do with your time and stuff. Talked about being frugal and fasting last week, and here we are again talking about stewardship and serving. What do you do with your money, blessings, and time? But hopefully we will be encouraged today to see that these disciplines of stewardship and service demonstrate the hope we have in God's victory that we get to share God's blessings so that in all things, God may be glorified. So let's dig in. I'm going to start in verses 10 through 11 of the reading today, where Peter says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Stewardship, this idea of being a steward, in Greek, literally the word is house manager. Somebody who oversees the house when the owner is gone, or somebody that the owner trusts to take care of the matters of the house when the owner can't be fully present. When the owner of a house is gone, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation But when the owner of a house is gone and you've been invited in to care for that house, what are your options? If you were a kid growing up and your parents left and said, "Eh, we're going to go away, we trust you to be here for a little bit, what usually happens? Or maybe you've been invited to house sit or something. What happens? Do you throw a giant house party? I remember one time growing up, uh, I invited some friends over. My parents weren't gone, but... They were asleep, and it was late, and we had some friends over, and we were hanging out. And one of them decided that they were going to cook something. So they went into the kitchen, got out pots and pans, cooked something, made, I don't even remember what it was. And then, you know, it was late, so we finished, and, you know, everybody went home and went to bed. And then we woke up the next morning, and my mom came in super upset. She's like, what happened last night? I'm like, oh. She's like, all of these dishes were left out in the kitchen. It's like, ooh, that person almost did not ever get to come back in our house again because they were not responsible with cleaning up after themselves. 
I mean, when we're given that, that opportunity, what do we do with it? Do we make a mess of things? Do we use it however we want? Do we leave things lying out? Do we just use it because we can? Or, the alternative, are we responsible with it? Do we understand that we've been offered a gift and a blessing to steward and use? Yeah, sometimes for our own benefit, but definitely for the benefit of others. And in the end, can we return it back to the house owner and say, here it is in the same or better shape. Being a good steward means using the gifts we have been given responsibly. And ultimately, we need to be reminded that, as Peter does here, that God is the one giving the things to be stewarded. If When he says to use whatever gift you have received, does he say, use it for yourself, bask in it, be selfish with it, use it however you want? He says, no, use it to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. If you're speaking, does he say to use it for your own benefit? Would Peter tell me, just be awesome up there and bask in the glory and praise that you'll receive when you walk out and everybody tells you how such a great message you gave? Is that what I should be here for? No, Peter says, we should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. And if we go to serve others, do we do it out of our own strength, for our own praise, and for our own accolades? Peter says, no, you do so with the strength that God provides. Why? Like he says in the end, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We don't serve out of our own blessings. We don't serve out of our own strength. We don't serve for our own glory. Everything that we do is because God has given us great blessings, great love, great mercy. And we steward those so that we can be of service to others so that ultimately God can get the glory. Friends, this is not our house. This is not our church. This is not our gifts to use as we please. We are stewards and managers of God's gracious gifts to us. Yes, we can enjoy them and we can be blessed by them, but we are also to use them to bring others joy and to give God's blessings to others around us so that all can benefit from the giftings and blessings of the house owner and the house builder. So some of the things that we can be stewards of, of course, everyone mind, everyone's mind, I think, immediately goes to money. How do we use our money and and what do we do with it? How do we utilize the finances that God has given us? And oftentimes this transfers into the, well, just give more in the offering. Sure, you could do that. And that's a challenge for me as a pastor to understand that God has blessed you. You guys then choose to use your blessings for this church. Then how do I as a pastor steward what you have given and what God has given? But there's also things that you can also do around you with your money and the blessings that God has given you through that. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you do with your money shows what your heart truly believes in and where you spend your money and how you use it. So money is one thing. We also have time. Am I responsible and utilizing the time that God has given me? Am I a good steward of the time that I have on this earth and with people around me? Do I wake up each morning thankful for the gift I have been given? And can I promise to use it in a way that is glorifying to God and in service of others? 
Sometimes I think we can think of it just as being work, doing things, service. How do I do more things? But friends, you can rest. That could be a good use of your time. God said the seventh day was for resting for a reason. Sometimes it's a nap. I love naps. We can also be good stewards of our spiritual gifts. What are the passions, the things that you love to do? What has God uniquely gifted you to be able to do? That you have strength and power to do that others might not be able to. And how can you use them in a way that brings glory to God and helps others and doesn't hide their ultimate source in God? Creation. Our world is a great gift, and we need to be stewards of it as well. I know there's many in this church who love gardening, planting, growing flowers, making their space beautiful. That's awesome. Do that. We live in one of the most beautiful places on earth with the trees and the foothills. And even though it's clouded by smoke sometimes, man, how can we steward that and make that more beautiful so everybody who comes up here can know that this is God's beautiful creation? We can also steward relationships. Who are the people that God has uniquely put in your life to be stewarded? Who are the people around you in your neighborhood your work, your school, your communities that God wants you to steward relationships with. Sometimes these people are difficult to love and care for, but by loving them, how much more do we demonstrate God's love for us? Because yes, sometimes we are all difficult to love and care for. Yet God, in his rich mercy, loves each and every one of us And so when we love those who are difficult to care for and love, we are extending God's grace to the world. So that's some things on stewardship. Now for service. And this is verses 8 through 9 of the reading today. Above all, Peter says, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Serve in the Greek Uh, basically means to be an intermediary, a go-between, to perform duties. It's the root word that we get our word deacon from. I love this idea of being a go-between because sometimes I think we can see a need and we're not sure how to meet it or we don't feel like we have the giftings or strength or abilities to meet that in ourselves. But if we're an intermediary, we can say, oh, there's a need. I can't meet that, but that over there can meet that need. And how can I connect those dots? How can I connect that person with that person? Or how can I connect that person with the stuff over there that they need? I can be an intermediary between that and I can serve in that way. When we serve others in love, Peter says that love covers over a multitude of sins. He's quoting from the book of Proverbs here. And we're not saying, and Peter's not saying, that we eliminate sins by our service and love to others. No, God is the only one who can forgive sins. But there is something that happens in our relationships when we reach out and serve and when we be good servants and offer hospitality to others. John Calvin, in his commentary on this verse, says, Hatred is the cause why men defame one another and spread whatever is reproachful and dishonorable. Thus, Peter confirms in his exhortation that nothing is more necessary than to cherish mutual love. For who is there that has not many faults? 
Therefore, all stand in need of forgiveness, and there is no one who does not wish to be forgiven. Another commentator I read says, The downward spiral is broken when someone is in loving forbearance breaks the cycle of acting on hard feelings and doing wrong. When we serve, we cover over that multitude of sins because we know we need to be forgiven. And if somebody in front of us is hard to love, we know we've been forgiven, so we need to forgive them and to serve them as well. That's where the covering comes from when we can serve other people out of the love and mercy and grace that we've been forgiven and offer that to others. To love someone and serve them in this way means we need to want the best for them and not harm them, not wish them ill will, and maybe not just to not do good, but in all things to seek to do good and to serve them. Sometimes that means we need to step through and repent of our own sin in order to effectively serve another. I might have something in my life, though in hatred and anger that I might have towards somebody that I need to repent of before I can step out in service towards them. Peter also says to offer hospitality. Hospitality is literally being a friend of the stranger or a friend of the alien. Here, hospitality, Peter is encouraging to be offered to fellow Christians, even though you might not be familiar with them. In this time, and especially in the early church time, not offering hospitality to someone was almost like wishing death on them. Because if you didn't bring somebody into your house and feed them and take care of them, they might not be able to find that elsewhere. So he's encouraging Christians to do that. And especially in the early church, when that might, being a Christian was, a, was seen as being suspicious, that you were causing trouble because you weren't going with what the culture at the time wanted. If you brought another Christian into your house, people would suddenly know who you were. So it was a little bit dangerous for them. But ultimately, the hope is that to bring everybody in, to offer that hospitality, to love others as God has loved us, and to demonstrate that, not mattering who you are or how you felt towards someone, men, women, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, like Paul says, all sat around the table, and all are invited in for hospitality to mutually serve one another. Today in our church, we have multiple opportunities to do this. This summer, we're doing the summer tables activity where we are encouraging everybody to, to gather in groups and to do potlucks and to eat and to share a meal together and to get to know each other. Growth groups are a way to be hospitable to each other if you're meeting in your homes and studying God together and working through his word. Like Mike said, I know some of us reached out to those who were evacuated by the fires and offered safe space for them to come into their homes as well. We had the food distribution where people who were hungry could come and get food, and we offered hospitality to others in in that way. And of course, Peter identifies we need to do all of this stuff without grumbling. And this can be hard. Having people into your house who are not a part of your family can be a great blessing. But it can also be difficult if they don't know how your house works, they're not familiar with your practices, they don't know what's going on. Do I leave my shoes by the door? Do I wear them inside? What do I do? It can test our patience. But ultimately, the encouragement here is to offer it freely, without grumbling, to offer it in love. We offer hospitality to others because we have been offered an immense measure of hospitality by God. 
We've been offered an eternal hospitality through Jesus as we have been invited, each and every one of us, into the family of God and invited around a table where we get to partake in the body and blood of Jesus. So for some application today, um, it would have been easy for me just to say, hey, to be good stewards, give money. But there are more things we can do and there are other opportunities. So we're going to enter into a a time of prayer and reflection today. But before I do that, um, I want to step into a little bit of kind of confessional prophecy for myself. This year has been a struggle, I think, especially for me, to be gracious and hospitable to people who I've disagreed with. We don't have to look far to find examples of people in the church who have not been gracious, hospitable, and service-minded towards fellow Christians this past year. It has been easy for me to dismiss people for simple actions. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's caused a separation within the church for myself. That other Christians who I know that I've dearly loved, I've been easily able to write off for something minor. And that's gotten in the way of my ability to serve and to be a steward of the gifts of the people that God has placed in my life. So through those disagreements and dissension, through that lack of hospitality, we have not given the world the image that God wants us to show. Friends, this should not be. This should not be. So like Peter has encouraged us here, we're going to pray as our time of application today. And I think when we pray, not only do we let those things go and God can drop some opportunities before us, but we can also just be in a space where we're more open to see needs around us that we can meet. To step out in service and to offer hospitality. One example that we literally just were offered, uh, Beth told me that her, Melissa Agnes, and Linda Ketchum were praying as to how we as a church can be of service to the people affected by the fire. And they were praying about it, and not long after they were done praying, Beth got on Facebook and saw a need from the Chicago Park School that, hey, we want to offer gift cards to people. We need a place where people can drop those off. And Beth said, there it is. God just dropped it in front of us. And if we hadn't prayed, we might have missed it. So that's one thing we're going to do as a church is we're going to let people come here to give gift cards that people need so that the Chicago Park School can offer it to the people in their community. So during this time of quiet reflection and prayer, we're hopefully going to open ourselves up to what God is calling us to be good stewards of and who we might serve. So let's go before God in prayer. I'm going to read some kind of prompts for you as you go through this time. So let's, let's pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity. I pray as we sit here in quiet reflection this morning that you would open up our hearts and minds to what you want to lay before us and around us to serve and how we can be more hospitable to our friends. So first, I would encourage everybody who is here and who is listening to thank God 
Thank you for all the things that you have given us, for the blessings that we have. And then thank God for the redemption and the victory that he has won so that we can look forward to a hopeful future. Next, let's confess the times when we have resisted utilizing God, your gifts and service and have not stewarded them well. Show us where we have resisted being good stewards to our neighbors because we've been too comfortable. Show us where we have resisted being of good servants to our neighbors because it's been too difficult. Show us where we have resisted being hospitable to our neighbors because we have disagreed with them. And show us where we have not offered service just because we've been selfish. And finally, God, I pray for you to show us and reveal to us the new opportunities that you are placing before us to be good stewards and to be of service to others around us. Bring to mind friends and family. Bring to mind our neighbors and other community members. Bring to mind those who are at work or our schools. And bring to mind those around us in this church or in the other churches in this community. God, I pray that in this time that you have revealed to each and every person here and to myself the places that you have uniquely put each and every one of us and the giftings that you have uniquely given each and every one of us. And you have revealed how we might be better stewards of that and how we can serve those around us and offer hospitality. I ask this in your name. Amen. I wrote in the August Sierra story that you got emailed as to how I've been reading 
The Fellowship of the Ring, the Lord of the Rings series. I've seen all the movies many times. I've seen the extended editions. I know how the story goes. I know how it ends. But it's been nice to read through the book and to be surprised at the things that are in the book that aren't in the movie. And to see the new things in the story that I didn't know or weren't revealed to me before. Knowing how the story ends didn't stop me from reading it. and didn't stop me from finding new opportunities and new things in the books. And that shouldn't stop us from wanting to serve others. Knowing how the story ends shouldn't cause us to slow down or just wait for the end to come. Our hope is that at the end of the story... And when we stand before God, we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Not owner, servant. Because we have been given things to steward and to serve with. We should continue to serve and offer hospitality to others because that is what God has done for us daily. And so hopefully through these disciplines of stewardship and service, we demonstrate the hope that we have in God's victory so that we can share God's blessings and in all things that God may be glorified. Let me pray again for us. God, I thank you for my friends who are here today to hear this word. I pray that it was ultimately not my words that went out from here, but that it was your words who touched the hearts and minds of people today encouraging them to be better stewards, to be of service to others, and how they can be more hospitable. I pray that as we continue to practice these disciplines, that we would grow closer to you, and that in all things, give glory to you. I ask this in your name. Amen. Smooth and velvet song 
always telling me to run. love is a resurrection, and love is a trumpet sound. Love is my weapon. I'm gonna take my giants down. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. trumpet sound I'm gonna rise up out of the ground There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down And he went on down to hell He took back every key He rose up as a lion Come on! And now he's setting all the captives free There ain't no grave Could hold his body down Out of the grave, I'm walking to. Oh, 
if you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. Yeah. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. I'm going there to see my father. I'm going. 